this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 9, which is the penultimate episode of this season. A lot, a lot of crazy shit happens, so we're really excited to talk about it. Sophia was absolutely blowing up our group chat while she was <laughs> watching it, so I think she has a lot to say. <laughs> I'm just drinking an iced coffee this morning, so once again, failing on tea of the TV time. What about you guys? I'm just having a natural mint infusion. What does that even mean? You have, like, I have water no idea what that means. I just put mint leaves in hot water. <laughs> natural <laughs> mint infusion. Okay. It sounds good. <laughs> I mean, how else do you call it? I guess just a mint infusion, but it's not a bag or anything. You Literally just put the just- leaves in. I just call it mint leaves and hot water. <laughs> In my neighborhood, that's what we call it. <laughs> um, I don't have a beverage with me right now. Um, I'm so sorry, but I was drinking a black tea an hour ago. So I'm holding the, down the fort here an hour early, but yes. <laughs> All right, we'll forgive you. <laughs> Now, Sophia is going to take us through what happened in this episode. Well, it's going to, there's so much stuff that happened. I'm going to try to keep it brief. But so basically this episode, we start off where we ended last episode. So we have Hakan in a pretty disheveled room. There's some security guards and Layla's in the corner kind of like crying. So we know that Hakan killed Mazar, even though I was very incredulous, very, um, what's the word again? Um, yeah, incredulous. I, I guess incredulous. It just sounds weird in English. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was in disbelief that Mazar was dead, but now we know that he, for real, is dead. So basically, this moment is is kind of sets us off because nobody, basically nobody believes that Hakan could have been defending himself. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit later that it's because he was wearing the shirt, so he has no visible wounds on him or anything that actually show that that he fought back or that he was thrown like against a glass table and, and all this stuff that happened. Um, so that's going to be important for the rest of the episode. Basically this is going on. Faisal arrives and, and asks, you know, what's going on? What happened? I don't understand. So Leila comes out and explains, you know, I walked in, Mazar is dead. Hak- it seems like Hakan killed him. Um, and then we see the, the police take away Hakan as he pleads and says, you know, I'm not guilty. Mazar attacked me. Please like help me. And so as they walk away, and again, very bizarre moment we can discuss later, um, Leila like grabs onto Faisal and hugs him. And as we had predicted- So in many issues with that moment. I know. <laughs> as we had predicted before, or like we had speculated, the necklace um, that Leila has is actually the stone. That I shows- for one was shocked. <laughs> So Theo and I were right, and you made us feel like we were. <laughs> we will discuss that later. But that means you're really good. You like you're you're like you're very good at throwing us off. So it's true. Kudos to you on that. Okay, that's like the one non-spoiler thing I've done. Everything else I've been like, oh, they don't bleed. You guys didn't know that. And you're like, no. And I'm like, oh god. <laughs> so that's when it starts shining green. And uh, Hakan realizes that Faisal is the immortal. And we can discuss this later, but I'm confused as to why he gave that necklace to Leela. Anyway, so he leaves and Hak- uh, well, we cut out to Leila calling Zainab and saying, you know, something terrible happened. Um, Hakan is being taken to jail. He murdered Mazar. And Leila is kind of looking for an explanation as to what happened. She basically asks Zainab, like, do you understand why this could happen? Do you know something about Hakan that could explain this? And she says, basically, like, if you, like, if, if you don't believe what Hakan told you, like, I can't help you. And there's a lot of stuff about Hakan you'll never know. So just get used to it, basically. And so then we go to the crime scene again. The police is kind of taking photos, everything. And Faisal asks to be alone with Mazar. And in this moment, we kind of get a glimpse into how evil truly Faisal Bey is because he basically there's a flashback and we find out that he killed uh, Mazar's wife and daughter as a way for Mazar to be loyal only to him because he kind of had realized that he was a very loyal and devoted person and 
this is also one of my questions, but he basically chose Mazar, killed his wife and daughter, and then went to comfort him and offered him a job in the company. So basically now some of the mysteries surrounding Mazar are starting to get resolved. And I, I assume that this is as resolved as they will be. And at this point, Faisal asks if Hakan was hurt. And the police say, no, he's fine. Doesn't even have a single scratch. So in retrospect, I think that this is probably Faisal trying to find out if Hakan's the protector. Because if he's the protector, he obviously would not have anything wrong with him. Whereas like a normal person would obviously have some cuts, scratches, marks from the way he was tied by Mazar, etc. And so then we go to the cistern to Kemal and Seinep, who are kind of freaking out because uh, Hakan is now in jail. They don't know who the immortal is because Mazar is dead. So, and the dagger is in the cistern. So clearly he wasn't the immortal. So they, they decide to take extreme measures, I guess, or to do something that would be out of the ordinary for them and contact Derya, who is this, per, this fallen uh, loyal one who Timur gave them the info for, who is this woman who apparently did something wrong when she was a loyal one, so she was expelled. And apparently, as Kemal explains to Zainab, it's because she, she was tasked with investigating the immortals and she became really obsessed with it and started to, you know, admire the immortals in some way. And that led her to being kicked out of, uh, out of the loyal ones. Um, so basically they decide to go, well, Kemal decides to go there and Zainab says, you know, this is really dangerous. Like both of us have to plan this well. And he says, you know, I'm going alone. Like you're not coming along, which idiot. I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, which obviously, um, Zainab does not agree with and we'll see what happens later. So then we go to Hakan in jail where he's like crazily asking, well, saying that he's innocent and that he needs to make a phone call which I w- we all wish he had gotten to make that phone call, obviously. And basically, they're just like questioning him and he's claiming that there's nothing wrong with him. But then um, the officer kind of shows us his arms and he's completely, like he has nothing on his arms, no, no sign of being tied up, no cuts from anything. So the, the police guy's like, I mean, stop lying and I'm going to put you in a cell so you can think about stuff. And then we go again to Faisal Actually, I, I like did the order wrong, but now is when, when they actually show the flashback of him killing uh, his wife and daughter. So then there's Layla again in her desk and she's really upset and she doesn't know what to do. Faisal comes in and says, you know, I'm going to go get Hakan out of jail. And she says, why are you going to go get Hakan out of jail? Like he just killed Mazar. Like what's, what's wrong with you? And Faisal you know, tells her that he, he doesn't understand why she doesn't think that Hakan is, is innocent, but she, I mean, she, she can't believe that. And in my head, there's a question, like when I'm watching the episode for the first time, like why, why would, why would uh, Faisal be interested in, in getting Hakan out of jail? Which is, is definitely a question that gets answered later on. And then Faisal also goes on to tell Leila that there's a lot of stuff she doesn't know and tells her all about the immortals and how he's lived for a thousand years, how there were seven of them, how his wife Ruya was the last one that was killed. And Leila just kind of starts laughing and, and doesn't take it seriously because, I mean, it's a super outlandish story. But then uh, Faisal takes this letter opener from his desk and just stabs it really aggressively on his neck. And we see that there's nothing going on. Um, <laughs> so wild. So now we learn about what Eski had told us a few episodes about, um, a few episodes back about how immortals can't get hurt. So we see that finally when we, when our friend Faisal is very aggressive. And I wish, does I wish that, um, that businessman's son had actually stabbed him at the party yeah. so everyone could have, we could like, have saved what? so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. There were so um, many like near death moments for him that just, you know, didn't end in that or any kind of, you know, actual weapon going into his skin. Yeah. Shame. That's like, a very, very smart observation. Actually. I hadn't thought about that. And he makes an offer to Layla, basically implying somehow that he can do something to get her mother better, which makes me think one of two things. Either her mother is also an immortal who's now somehow paralyzed, but that couldn't be. Or immortals have some sort of power to help people that are ill or paralyzed. So, well, that's a question that hasn't been answered. 
again, Hakan's in jail. He's screaming like a crazy person, gets into a fight with uh, the other people in jail, like almost gets stabbed by one of the prisoners. <laughs> and then they don't believe him. So he like turns in the knife and they put him in, in like a solitary confinement thing. Again, Kemal and Zainab are on the way to see Derya. Um, but Zainab says, you know, I, I'm not just your driver. I'm obviously going in with you. Kemal says, no, you're not. And of course, this is going to be an issue later on. Then we go to Hakan getting out of jail. Faisal um, talks to the commissioner and says, you know, I know this guy very well. I can help you solve this crime. Um, and then we find out that he, he gets Hakan out of jail. Um, I'm just going to tell the chronological Hakan and then the chronological Zainab and Kemal because it's just going it, like it's, it, to, it's interspersed, but I think it'll be easier if I just tell one story and then the other one. So Hakan gets out of jail. Faisal is waiting for him. Now they both know who the other one is. And they call each other out on it. And basically what ends up happening is Hakan like beats up Faisal, but like he doesn't, he can't hurt him because he's the immortal and Faisal can't hurt him because he's a protector and he's wearing the shirt. But basically Faisal tells him that he needs to meet him in one hour in his office with the dagger and shows him a video of Layla tied up and says, if you don't show up, I'm going to kill Layla, which obviously for Hakan is a huge issue. And he is kind of torn but he just runs away and runs to the cistern where he can't find Zainab and Kemal. So he's like worried about that. But then going back to, to Zainab and Kemal, they arrive at this warehouse. Zainab pretends to stay in the car and, and Kemal goes in, talks to Derya, who again kind of has a little bit of a physical resemblance to Zainab. So I still am kind of floating around the thought that maybe she's her mother, which the theory lives. I don't know. Oh man. Yeah, the theory lives <laughs> on. Crazy eyes would have definitely been passed on if she had been her mother. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, the haircut also is is notable. <laughs> she has a very weird haircut. Um, in any case, she they have this whole conversation where she she kind of uh, reprimands Kemal for getting her kicked out of the loyal ones and basically says that when she was kicked out, that's when the immortal sought her. So, um, actually kicking her out was worse because that's when she could collude with the immortal for whatever purposes that she has. So in, in the, like in the midst of all of this, Zainab is watching through like some sort of wall or like pipes that are in the wall. And then she feels somebody pointing a gun at her head. She turns like disarms this person. Turns out that there's another person armed Kemal and, and Delia like hear this and they go and see what's going on. They see Zainab and then, Turns out that Derya also has a gun. So they take Kemal and Zainab hostage. They lock them in a room, turn on some poisonous gas, I assume. Or I guess just whatever gas that like gets into their lungs and doesn't let oxygen get there. And so, I mean, Kemal and Zainab have a, a, a very, like very endearing moments. Oh, but before locking them into the room, um, Derya reveals some key information about how the immortal needs the blood of the protector taken out with the dagger in order to revive other immortals. So this is a key piece of information that is revealed. Um, but she says, you're going to take that to your grave because then she locks them into that room and gasses them literally. But then like they have this endearing conversation about duty and about how they really needed each other because Zainab is also really worried about getting this information passed on to Hakan but they find out that through the vents they can get out, unfortunately, and very sadly, only Zainab can get out because by the time she opens the door from the outside, her father is already dead. Very sad moment. And then we cut to the cistern where she arrives, like she's bawling. Um, and she explains to Hakan what happened, tells him that key piece of information, but says, you know, we still don't know who the immortal is. And then Hakan says, well, I know who the immortal is. So they, he reveals that Faisal Bey is like, the immortal and tells Zainab that he that what happened that basically he needs to get back to the Faisal and save Layla from Faisal and and take you know the dagger and everything so he by basically pretends like he put the dagger away says that he's going to go get some air but locks Zainab in the cistern and actually ends up going over to the Faisal to try and, and save Layla and there he meets Faisal and Layla Layla's tied up in a chair and he, he basically says to Faisal, like, leave Layla out of this. Like, let's just you and me have a fair fight. To which Faisal re 
Faisal replies, like, you have the dagger and the shirt. This is obviously not a fair fight. Just take the shirt off, bleed some drops so I can revive my wife. Also, how does a dead immortal drink blood? I don't know. Well, that's what they need to do to, to revive in any case. And so they have, like, basically Hakan tries to lunge at Faisal, at which point he shoots Layla in the stomach. And then he tries to, again, like, lunge at him. He points the gun at Layla's head. And Hakan is crying really intensely because he has no clue what to do. And that's the end of the episode, which was intense. Aff. So now we're going to move into the banter portion of the episode and discuss. There's not really anything our... to talk about. I think we should just skip to <laughs> the history part. I mean, I'm good. Yeah, okay? no, I don't have any opinions on what okay, happened. Okay, great, awesome. So you guys like <laughs> I do. Oh I my have God. A, I have a very open-ended question to pose to you guys because I hadn't thought of it when I was watching this through the first two times. Um, <laughs> so obviously at the surface it could seem pretty convenient or like a simple plot device to have Hakan be very fascinated by Faisal and want to work for him and then he sees Mansar and falls in love with Leda, all this stuff like it's like oh it's, that's convenient you know that mm-hmm. he had this admiration for Faisal but I wonder is that admiration natural like could it have happened to Hakan if he weren't the protector or is it part of this whole mythology where the two sides are drawn to each other. Mm-hmm. I think Kemai was saying in the first episode or two that there's a natural, even if they don't know who the other person is, like the, the immortals will gravitate toward the protector. Like it's kind of a mm-hmm. law of nature or law of the supernatural. So I wonder if like going back to Hakan's like adolescence or whenever he started being a fan of Faisal as a businessman, <laughs> like if that was entirely because of his heritage um, and his family's occupation uh, even before he was aware of it and then similarly Faisal thinking that Hakan is so dope and wanting him to work for him like I don't think I mean he was surprised when he or he definitely had an aha moment when he realized that Hakan like the police said that he didn't have any injuries from the confrontation with Mazar Mm -hmm. so that's when he kind of realized what was going on so it wasn't like he might have had a suspicion but it wasn't confirmed to him so I think that's interesting. I don't know if the I don't know if the screenwriters thought about it like to that level of detail, but mm-hmm. if they did, good job because it, all, <laughs> it actually all does make sense when you think about the mythology. But I also but think I, that it's it's um like it's interesting that they're not just drawn to each other, but they're drawn to like and admire each other. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting for two people who are supposed to kill each other. I think, I mean, they never, I just, I mean, not really a spoiler alert, but kind of, like, they never explain exactly how the magical objects were made. There were some religious people doing it and, like, praying over the objects and blessing them and all this stuff. But, I mean, for me, like, it only makes sense if they used immortal blood or something like that, right? To make, you know. Immortal blood and protector blood and, yeah, yeah something. Yeah, so, so I think at some point there's, like, their blood is kind of intermixed or you know that makes sense going on there yeah although although i do maybe i'm too much of a conspiracy theorist but i do see some like concrete actions that i think kind of show that uh faisal had like a hand in orchestrating some of this stuff i don't know if i completely buy that he's just now figuring out that hakan is the protector Mm -hmm. because just the fact that he gave the necklace to Layla. And that he hugged Layla at that moment. Like, to me, I don't know if that's natural or if it was orchestrated. And he purposefully, yeah, he wanted to signal to Hakan, like, look, I'm the the fucking immortal. So you be careful. Because he he even says at at one point in the episode to Hakan, like, oh, is this all the information you have regarding, you know, the blood and stuff? So I think there's a lot that Hakan still doesn't know and I think that Faisal has the advantage of having been alive for a thousand years having dealt with a bunch of protectors um however many there were in a thousand years 
and and I think there's he has a hand in some of these things. Like obviously he can't have a hand in in Hakan being obsessed with him from like a young age. Um, but I I do think there are small things that he definitely could have done. Like obviously if if he had known that that he was a protector beforehand, he would have probably killed him. But I do think that that Faisal must have some knowledge about some things that could ha- could have helped him. Like I do think that they have a natural drawing to each other because of the whole mythology and the objects and everything. But I do think that Faisal has a lot of information that we don't know still how much information he has. Mm. You brought this up in the summary, Sophia. Why the hell would he give the stone to Layla? Like, shouldn't he be hiding that thing so no one ever knows <laughs> yeah. that he's the yeah. immortal? I don't understand. I don't, under- I don't understand either. And I think it was definitely a strategic move that's going to be revealed later on, for sure. Throw that shit in the Bosphorus, right? Like, why would you ever want yeah. anyone to get their hands on that? I agree. It's convenient, though. 100%. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm sure they have an explanation. Well, I hope. If not, it's just a huge plot hole. <laughs> I don't know if there's an explanation. Let's be honest. And there's definitely something idea. with, like, Faisal and, like, grooming humans to be his servants. Mm. Or, like, there's something with, like people getting drawn into the immortals no. allure yeah. in some, but kind of like people Definitely. do with vampires i feel like because he has the fallen ones and daria working for him mm. and he's the got fall? mazar I like that that's what but they he definitely the English subtitles oh okay okay yeah. that's cool <laughs> he definitely has he definitely has a hand in that because we are shown in the episode and i i I assume it's on purpose, how far he's willing to go to ensure people's allegiance to him. Right. Like, he literally killed the wife and daughter and then pretended like nothing happened. Like, he's obviously a sociopath. Like, now we know for sure what we had talked about in previous episodes that's so unsettling about him, how he's, like, so emotionless. Yeah. But now we for sure know that he's willing to go to extremes. Like, we don't know if he hurt Layla's mother in order to have Layla be, like, throwing herself into work. Probably. I mean... I, I feel like he definitely, he's been around for a thousand years. He knows how to manipulate people. Like, even what he says to Layla, like, oh, we were immortal beings and we were around for 500 years before humans started to kill us just because we were different, which is such bullshit. Like, I don't believe that for a second. Hey, I don't, I don't know, know guys. Heck. I think the immortals might be innocent victims in all this. <laughs> That's what, you know, TBH, that, is my, that was my thought after season one, was that actually humans are bad. This is yeah. like an because eco-message The immortals were around for 500 years before <laughs> they created the Protector, and Istanbul wasn't destroyed. Like, it was just chilling. I, so, I will say that that timeline is never repeated again, so I think that's oh. a little plot hole right there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <I'll> forget about. <laughs> yeah. But that just feeds into my own perception, which could be wrong that just the immortals were like some sort of society created by the byzantines to eventually take istanbul back to be greek which oh, is wow. probably a lie but like that's that's what i that's what i've been feeling from this whole story because the timeline just fits yeah like, this whole narrative we don't have to watch the rest of the series <laughs> <laughs> i like that it's like the Constantinopolites trying to yeah. win back Istanbul for the Jesus. How in in for Greece the they still call they still call Istanbul Constantinople. Like when I when yes. I flew from Greece to Istanbul, they said oh, like in Greek, oh now we're arriving in Constantinople, and I was like, what the fuck? Like that name has Shut been up. changed for a long time. Um, I, I like her. Sure. I liked our visit to the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate. Oh my god, the American-born whatever he was priest of some kind just I think like he was a, yeah he was yeah, high up he was high up he was he was aggressively calling like a bishop constantinople he was like looking me in the eye and being like constantinople <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and i was like, listeners I was like are aware. born in new amsterdam i see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. asshole yeah that's funny i feel like that's, a lot of british really people funny. still call it constantinople too in my, oh my experience, really? yeah, colonial assholes. Yes. Why don't Why don't <laughs> they call them like Why don't they call it imperialism? I mean, what do they call it? Oh, might as well <laughs> go all the way there. Yeah, if you want to call it the real, like the original in quotes name, just call it Byzantium. 
It's more, I guess. They wish, they wish it was still Byzantium. <laughs> All right, back on track, guys. Yes, okay. Now that we're um, ranting. We okay. got also, a, uh, oh, go ahead, Sophia. No, I just was going to make a random comment that about something that really freaked me out, which was the tiny toy dog that Mazar's daughter oh. was playing with. That thing was like, so first i mean it was so scary yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that thing was weird i don't know that sorry i was just gonna make that comment but i was also gonna ask it's gonna become think... really important in future seasons though. <laughs> <laughs> the creepy toy <laughs> do you think that faisal had a hand in doing something to Lila's mother yeah i do yeah probably he's like i mean i suspected that even before we knew that he had killed Mazar's family. It just yeah. seems like it's so clearly made him her dependent on him. Yeah. It was definitely to his advantage. Yeah. Also, before, like, when he's talking to Layla before he leaves to get Hakan out of jail, he asks her for a favor. And at, when I first watched the episode, I thought that maybe Layla was pretending to be kidnapped just to lure Hakan there. But then he shoots her in the stomach, which also... I have a comment about that. He shot her from so close. Like, there's no way, like, her, her abdomen wouldn't have, like, somehow, like, exploded or something. Yeah. He's shooting yeah. her from, like, 30 centimeters. Like, yeah. come on. You're right. You're right. She would be another bloody donut torso. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I forgot about bloody donut torso. <laughs> Hashtag oh, BDT. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was horrifying. But, yeah. There's no way, like, also, they already showed bloody donut tours. So, like, like, given that was a shotgun and this is, like, a revolver, but still, like, or, I don't know, revolver, handgun, whatever it is, but it's a smaller gun. Um, still doesn't make sense to me entirely. Yeah. Well, they couldn't mess up her good looks because she's going to be, you know, Love zombie interest. lover or something. So she has to look Corpse good. Bride. Corpse bride. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know, like what universe they inhabit, where they think that bringing someone back from the dead or using like magic blood to bring someone, like what in what alternate reality do you have to live to not think that that's gonna fuck the person up like big time and like yeah. cause problems? I don't know. I feel like we all learned this lesson from Harry Potter, and we didn't need to learn it True. again. <laughs> True. Also, question: Like, where do they keep all the immortal corpses so that? when they get the immortal blood, they can just go and revive them. You shall that's see, Sophia. Good Ooh. question. Ooh, that's terrifying. I can't imagine, like, also does an immortal body decompose or is this like a statue or something? Well, that's my question Questions. because, like, are they going to be, like, really <laughs> disgusting, like, flesh rotting? Or are they going to be just, like, Stop. skeletons walking around? Stop it. I don't know. I'm, like, pretty sure they don't... don't perform regular like bodily things maybe yeah, sex exactly. but they i don't think they poop or anything <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering if, if they could have children because then i was also thinking if maybe yes like yes Layla can, was I, well i don't know about kid. children but they can I, they can definitely have intercourse with humans because that's like you know <gasps> in the history there's like well there's seduction there's not like you know outright anything Whoa. more Ooh. that i'm gonna say but there is like instances of the protector being like very weak-minded in the past and like falling for oh my god <gasps> so this is uh holy this is possible, crap but pooping peeing i don't think so <laughs> and i don't think i don't think their fingernails grow like i don't but think can, like so that's why i don't think babies? they would uh there's only i think there's only ever been seven of them so okay yeah yeah because i thought maybe Layla was Ruya and Faisal's daughter. And that would explain why he's so paternalistic and weird with her. But that's probably not going to be true. But that's just a speculation. Another on my out end. there theory that actually my dad had this theory was that Layla is actually Mazar's resurrected daughter. <gasps> what? Oh my God. And that's Ooh. why like Mazar was trying to keep her away from Hakan. And that's like what. Faisal oh, had over Mazar. I like that. Could I like be. that. You guys, you're so But I feel like mystery. I feel like Mazar's arc is completely closed. Like whatever mysteries didn't get explained are not gonna be explained further on. I might yeah. be wrong, but I feel like that chapter is gone. 
And I, I think it's interesting that the show, um, and I feel this is a bit like Game of Thronesy. Like they've killed some major characters in the first season already. That's pretty unusual. Like I, I hadn't expected that they were going to kill Kemal or Mazar or, you know, that that's just, it's sad, obviously, but yeah, it was also unexpected. I think I think it's interesting that they were actually willing to do that because I think that's a big risk because you fall in love with the yeah. characters and whatever. Um, I do think that they're so far they've proven to be really good at bringing in new characters and making them likable, mm-hmm. like my darling Amir, R.I.P. <laughs> and uh, Jaylon. <laughs> So I think they'll be able to handle it, but we're definitely going to need some new characters in season two because, yeah. like, yeah, Mazar and Kim. Who's going to fill that cistern? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and more people. And also, well, to like going back to one of our favorite topics, which is how bad Hakan is at fighting people. <laughs> like, how is he all of a sudden like pinning down all of these criminals, like beating the shit out of them in jail? Zainab is the most amazing teacher in the entire (laughs) world but then she gets overpowered in this episode so we get hakan being a good fighter and zainab being a bad fighter it's obviously a transfer of abilities you can't can't have two equally good people you have to offset some yes it's the classic student surpassing the master tale yes Yes. right in the in the right moment yeah although he like they could just (laughs) and then other questions so (laughs) So so Faisal like hits Hakan but can't hit him at all. But then somehow Hakan can hit him but he just doesn't get hurt. So does it hurt when he gets hit or is it just like getting like touched or like what's the deal with that? I don't yeah, I don't know. I their fight was kind of like hard Weird. to watch. <laughs> I understand why they made him give up the shirt, but um I don't know. I I think that maybe because their magic works in a different way. So like Hakan seems to be able to hit really hard and he doesn't kind of like feel the physical momentum transfer of whatever's been hitting him. Whereas Faisal gets knocked down, but it just doesn't like do anything to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I liken what happens to Faisal to like, if you're wearing a bulletproof vest, getting like mm-hmm. a bullet, like it's going to bruise you, might crack or, I mean, it doesn't crack his ribs, obviously. He's more, he's sturdier than that. But like, you know, it does incapacitate the person, but it doesn't kill them. Mm-hmm. I think he got kind of, uh, what's the word for it? Pun- punch drunk? I mean, I think he did get like a little, <laughs> you, know what I'm tra- you know what I'm trying to say? Like you get punched so many times that you're, you know, Yeah, that's like groggy. concussion syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so it's obviously not with the physical symptoms of a concussion, but he definitely, you know, had to like sort himself yeah. out before getting up again so i wonder what would happen if he was shot because like the knife that he the paper uh envelope opener that he stabbed himself with went in so i guess Mm -hmm. a bullet would go in too it just wouldn't and there was a tiny amount of blood on it right like when he pulled no i don't think so it was super cgi no that was goes into his skin that was not this episode he didn't wipe it on anything (laughs) No, no, no 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 he did after the letter opener he wiped it he wiped um he did yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know because I remember. I remember, I remember it. it was like a very thin film, okay, of orangey substance, and I was like, Ew. I don't remember anything. Gross. Yeah, any immortal. <laughs> Ew. Um, I don't know, but that was that was just bizarre. Everything, like, I guess a bullet would just come right out, like it would go in, but then it would just fall out like a hole. I don't know. Hole, That's what I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's in there? Ew. <laughs> Ew, yeah. Goo, apparently. Horrible Ew. goo. Orange goo. <laughs> we should, um, one of these episodes, do like our history section on vampire myths, because I feel like there's a lot of similarities yeah. between mm-hmm. what's happening here and like old vampire mythology. Yeah. yeah, and they can just be killed with a very specific, is it silver bullets or is that werewolves? It's uh, uh, like a stake, a, a stake to, the heart. to the heart. Yeah. yeah. Or like a lot of Jesus or like a lot of garlic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that came later in the mythology. <laughs> Why would people have any interest in pushing Jesus other than to kill vampires? <laughs> what interest could that have possibly it served? It mystifies me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will, I've assigned myself the homework of watching the letterhead scene, not the letterhead scene, the letter opener scene again and mm-hmm. verifying if there's indeed orange. Blue. Okay, so check okay. that next episode for this exciting development. <laughs> <laughs> did I reveal yeah. a spoiler or did I actually see something? To be Unclear. <laughs> the mystery of the season. <laughs> I wanted to point out that we got a really good, like, evil villain monologue moment mm. when um, Faisal is talking to Mazar's dead body, and I, I really appreciate that as a fan of the genre. Classic. Classic. A fan of what genre? And Villains? Villain monologuing genre. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a very ample genre. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that, I mean, there's so many cliches, but the cliche about, you know, there's things about Hakan that you'll never know. Like, okay, classic. Because, like, they're going to paint as Zainab as the woman who knows everything about him and loves him still. And Layla, the woman who wants to know him and pines after him because he's so mysterious. Except she's probably going to find out everything about him, like, next episode anyway, so. Yeah, I, mean, I feel <laughs> like... She, I, I was so shocked when Faisal started telling her everything. Yeah. That I was thought very for sure unexpected. she was going to be kept in the dark for, like, a lot more, Ever. a lot longer. But that's what... Remember last episode I told you that they were kind of setting her up for her to become evil or, like, in the evil side? Yeah, yeah. Like, you were right. But except she's going to get shot, though, so that's confusing. Unless, like, he's like, I'll shoot you, but then I'll drop some immortal blood on you so then you'll get or some protector blood on you so you'll get immediately she agreed to cooperate but didn't quite realize that he wasn't going to hold up his end of the deal that's a good point happens that's very possible because also faisal is the most manipulative character to ever yeah he's clearly got some like crazy immortal charisma stuff going on for sure that's for sure it is a it is a thing Trademark, crazy and wolf. <laughs> it's like bloody donut torso. Original <laughs> concepts to come out of this show. Trademark it. <laughs> oh my god. So what do we think Kemod could have done instead of what he did that uh, led to his demise? I miss him. Not, Not wise call, Gone to see Hakan or called the, the freaking prison. Like, why didn't they go see him? Why did they just leave him be in jail like they don't know if he's wearing the shirt he could get killed in prison i feel like they're very like anxious people and as soon as something happens they're like oh my god we're so fucked we gotta go to plan z right now like this might explain why they've been waging a thousand year losing battle against (laughs) (laughs) there's like a billion of them (laughs) (laughs) they're uh they freak out like hard and they go to the absolute worst option but I feel like that's very uncorrect, like uncharacteristic for Kemal. Like for Zainab, it's character, like it's typical because she wants to find information and whatever. Although it's more Hakan actually because he's the impulsive one. But Kemal is always so like level-headed, and he's always like the voice of the voice of reason. Like except that he is the one that was like, "Oh, we gotta rob the museum. Yeah, oh, I was okay, just about I'll walk to say in that. and shoot a gun." Like he yeah. has a mask of respectability, but I think yes. he's just a psycho. It's the gray hair and glasses, but yeah. He's <laughs> yeah um, i don't know i feel like they give so much shit to hakan for being impulsive and then everyone else is also impulsive so like stop true. giving hakan so much shit humans are so weak. like that's the lesson <laughs> our whole team is really not doing great yeah yep do we Bad. find it reasonable still i still do not find it reasonable even knowing everything i know that's gonna happen like i don't find it reasonable that Kemad or any of these people just didn't know who the last immortal was especially in this episode yeah. that you know um Faisal says uh, Rial was killed like like so that means that the protector killed her which means that it's Hakan's father which means like homie knew I mean had to have known if they were married yeah. right they must have been the same place yeah I don't know mm. maybe they were they were stealthy about their marriage <laughs> like they never lived together or like openly lived together i guess mm. to pretend like they didn't really know each other i guess or, or know, she Hakan, was hakan's father stalked her to wherever they lived and like she was the only one there well so. we know that our our team is a little impulsive so he probably 
saw her, murdered her, was like, oh, I hope she was an immortal. I just stabbed this nice lady with a dagger and then, like, walked away before he figured out that she was living with someone. Or, or Faisal was there. He hid. And so the immortal killed Ruya. He wasn't able to save her for some reason. And then he was so angry about everything, he just goes and kills, like, all his kids, his wife, the protector, um, everyone in the protector school training thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Absolutely. Also, it sounds like the immortal, like based on what happened, like the lot when he killed the previous protector, like clearly th- there's a bunch of people working for him, but they haven't been revealed yet because Mazar was the only person that we knew that actually worked for him, but probably didn't know any of the immortal stuff. So like, who is this army of people that are working? Mm. I guess Dedia's shady ass people. Yeah, there's know. definitely like a anti-loyal ones contingent. Oh, for Kamal's death, okay, why wasn't our dude breathing through some cloth? Like, we're in COVID times, we know the importance of face masks. They they weren't in COVID times. Standing (laughs) next to the door waiting to die? Like, what is up, my dude? No, but what what I thought was more absurd is, like, she couldn't revive him. Like, clearly he died, like, one second ago, like, couldn't like with the fresh air revive him like his face was kind of purple though so i feel like maybe (laughs) it had been a while that she was going i don't know they needed to make it clear like it took her a while in the vents or something you know so sad like honestly that was horrible like shot in the head like why why was that the style of execution true also because they need to get saved somehow yeah yeah exactly so i feel like Crazy eyes would have just shot him in the head, probably. I mean, that would have been the most logical thing. (laughs) Especially since there were so many guns. Yeah, and then she's like, I'm going to give you this key piece of information and then put you in this room (laughs) that may give you enough time to escape. Classic (laughs) villain monologuing. Very convenient. (laughs) It's like their their egos are so big from being so evil that they're like, I'm going to do this dumb thing. Yeah. (laughs) And also, like, it's very classic that, like, revealing that key piece of information just to, like, rub it in their face. But one of them is going to be saved, so they're going to be able to convey the information anyway. Right. I mean, I do wonder, do e- evil real people do that? Because they're, like I said, their egos are so inflated. And they're like, mwahaha, take this information and die. <laughs> and then sometimes Probably not. Go, no. I feel Probably like they not. do. They definitely do. Come on. No, I don't. So Sammy's so. gonna check on some actual evil people and let yes. us know how they. <laughs> Next episode will also reveal that. I'm gonna rewatch the RNC and see what happens. Yes. So today for our history section, I'm doing history in air quotes because we're just going to talk about all the neighborhoods of Istanbul that we've seen in this show and some of our favorite neighborhoods and memories associated with them. So take it away, guys. I did no research. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I will I'll give the viewers a quick recap of how Istanbul is set up, like from a governance perspective, and then we can yeah go completely off script. So just a reminder that Istanbul is a province and a municipal, like a, a metropolitan area. So as a province, it's got a governor. As a municipality, it's got a mayor. The mayor is elected by the people of the city. The governor is appointed by uh, the president of Turkey. So that you have the situation where currently the mayor is very much on the opposition side, very liberal, uh, secular-minded individual, um, very anti-corruption. And then you've got a governor appointed by Erdogan, so you can assume he's the opposite of all the things I just listed as positive <laughs> qualities about the mayor. So you've got different jurisdictions. Um, the the governor has different um, rights and um, privileges than the mayor does. I would say the mayor does more of the daily running. Uh, they're not, they don't report to each other or anything like that, but the mayor has more of the day-to-day responsibilities, I would say, of running a city um, and the, a very large city. And the governor can do things like, I believe, like disaster declarations or kind of anything tied to the, the federal government. It's not really a federal system, mm. but in air quotes, federal government. 
And yeah, it definitely toes the party line with respect to being an Erdogan crony. Anyway, oh. so the, the mayor oversees uh, 39 districts, both of them oversee 39 districts of the city, which have their own mayors that are elected by the people living in those uh, districts. And those districts have who knows how many neighborhoods in them. So that's why when we talk about Fatih, for example, the old city, it's um, not, I mean, it's the district that includes the old city, but it's got neighborhoods like Eminönü, Balat, Beyazıt, a bunch, you know, of names that we can throw out there. So yeah, you've got, you've got a kind of a complicated system of governance there and saying neighborhood and district interchangeably can quickly lead to confusion. So I want to just define the term before we jump in. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Yeah, so I, I think the interesting, well, something that's really interesting about Istanbul neighborhoods is that they can be so different. And we can see clearly on the show that there's like some older looking neighborhoods with these kind of like narrow streets and uphill because Istanbul, as we mentioned previously, is a very hilly city. And, you know, that's kind of like where we see Hakan walk into the pharmacy, which like there's parts of, you know, the, the area around Taksim, like downhill from that looks like a bit like that. And Galata also looks a bit like that. Um, and then also, for example, Balat also looks a bit like that, like the whole kind of old area of the city. And then we see like where the Faisal is located and we see like much larger streets and avenues and you know, this is more like the modern businessy part of Istanbul where it's called Levant and probably there's other names of, of those, those areas near there. And there's this like super futuristic looking mall called Zorlu Center, which has like these terraced buildings with grass all over, which is such a contrast, you know, like compared to when you go to Sultan Ahmed and see, you know, these mosques and there's a lot of like very circular shaped buildings and then in Levant and these like skyscrapery areas, you see a lot of like very rectangular shaped buildings. So it's visually very different and, and culturally as well. Like for example, I remember one time I was in Istanbul and we were walking around, I think it was Balat. And like the further up you go, you get to this neighborhood called Charshamba, which is very religious and traditional. And just the way that people dress and what they're wearing just changes radically. And, and I think that's super interesting about Istanbul even now that it still holds like so much diversity that has been like characteristic of the city through history where, you know, like there used to be like Armenian quarters and uh, Jewish quarters and Italian quarters and all these sorts of different areas that had di people that like behaved and, and had such different cultures from each other. And, and I think that's something you still see in Istanbul. And I think that's really interesting. I don't know, Edzgi, what you, you think about that or Sammy. I agree with you. I mean, it's still like a lot of the neighborhoods, uh, historical neighborhoods that had a connection to a particular ethnic group still have, I mean, Turkey is much less diverse than it was um, over the course of the 20th century, unfortunately, got less and less diverse um, owing to a number of factors that are beyond the scope of this episode, but... <laughs> You know, there used to be a, a sizable Armenian population in Istanbul. There used to be a sizable Jewish population, Greek population, a Greek Orthodox population. And you still see remnants of those groups in their historic neighborhoods. So when we were studying all of us in Istanbul, we went to the Armenian Patriarchate in Tardabashi, which is, um, I believe, part of Beyoğlu district. And it's where the Patriarchate is and still where the largest Armenian population is. There's um, a school there, maybe a couple schools. And then same in other parts of Beyoğlu, you've got pockets of, um, of Jewish neighborhoods or smaller Jewish neighborhoods, or rather fragments of neighborhoods that have a lot more Jewish people living next to each other than <laughs> other parts of Istanbul, it's more accurate to say. And, and Greeks, uh, people of Greek, uh, Greek, you know, linguistic and religious heritage. So... It, it is interesting that interesting and makes sense that people have hung on to um, where their ancestors lived. Um, but you also, I think, you know, as time goes on and, you know, people move up in social standing or change their social standing, they'll move to different neighborhoods. And a lot of those folks have children or grandchildren now who have, you know, moved abroad. And then if they move back or their kids move back, they may live in the ritzier neighborhoods, like in, you know, Levant or, 
etilage or near the Bosphorus and Bebek, like, you know, I've, I've w- classmates um, from, from undergrad who have a minority uh, heritage, Turkish citizens with minority heritage, and, you know, their families live where they're very successful. They live where any and all rich families would live in those neighborhoods. So <laughs> it's not, you know, purely like, oh, this is absolutely where all the Jewish people in Istanbul live. But you do see, see some neighborhoods that are still characteristic um, of, you know, retain their historical character. So that's, that's nice to see, uh, even though it's, again, not to the extent it once was, unfortunately. Mm. And then, yeah, I agree with what Sophia said, like the stark changes, especially in Fatih, mm-hmm. Fatih and Beolu, um, two neighboring districts in the old part of the city. You go from, you know, the parts of Beolu, like Karakö, um, which are very, it's across the bridge from Eminönü in Fatih district. Karakö is very, it feels very Western European. It's got, you know, mm very western architecture that's old it's old western architecture too it's not like you know 10 years ago some people put up some skyscrapers it's like (laughs) been there for a hundred years or more and it looks very european western european and then you cross the galata bridge over to amina and then you've got the spice bazaar you like sophia was saying you go up enough hills and you get to Ayup and Chashamba and suddenly it feels like, you know, you're very much like I'm in the Middle East, like when you go to those neighborhoods. (laughs) So it's, it's it's like a 20, 30 minute walk and you feel like you're on a different planet. So yeah, um, it's cool. Yeah. So to talk about some of the ritzy neighborhoods that Eski mentioned, because we all like celebrity gossip and stuff like that, (laughs) Um, where we were, where we went to, um, how can I say where we went to university, school. where we went to school <laughs> uh, in Istanbul was like really close to this neighborhood called Bebek, which is super fancy and where a lot mm. of the celebrities live. I don't think we spotted any of them really, but no. we used to hang out at the Starbucks there and it was ritzy <laughs> AF. <laughs> the nicest Starbucks I've ever been in, period. Yeah. I mean, that view yeah. is awesome. The view the was Starbucks insane. was so cool. The food was really bad, but the Starbucks <laughs> yeah, view I mean. was worth it. This I remember studying. confirms the urban legend that Americans will gravitate to a Starbucks no matter where they are in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's wrong with us? Why did we go to Starbucks? We so many other establishments. <laughs> I must say we went to the tea house there too, but it was outside. So the Starbucks was, was better because it was inside and it started getting a little bit chilly some days. Mm. Um, and of while course we, we were, were there studying we were so studious we were studious. we were very studious. <laughs> yeah. Sophia had a lot of work she took really hard classes <laughs> <laughs> remember that Turkish political economy class which was awesome but it was how can so we forget difficult. that class we could never forget you <laughs> in that class we, never, we didn't even <laughs> sit for a minute of that class and no, we feel like we had two semesters up. indeed <laughs> indeed True. well and also our class what was it called Sammy the one about economic development it was like developing nations or something like that what was your uh, teacher's name no zainab was the zainab oh that was your teacher that was zainab avery called her turnip (laughs) (laughs) the the turkish political economy was mine Oh, okay. yeah, I, I remember Joe, our, our dear friend Joe, who we're trying to get on the podcast. Uh, Come so, on the podcast, Joe. <laughs> we're naming you. We're calling you out, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that um, class was gave me nightmares. I think. <laughs> I think yeah, same. For both I'm of pretty us. sure it did. Yeah. <laughs> My current favorite neighborhood in Istanbul that I want to spend some more time in is Moda, which yeah. I'm not really mm-hmm. cool enough to hang out in, but. It's really awesome, like kind of like Brooklyn-y, and it's on the Asian side, south of uh, Kanakui, and it's really cool. Highly recommend for yeah. walking That's around. I remember, didn't we go to the Mado there? Not a, oh my god, no, not a mado. It's the best, this is the best ice cream place in Istanbul. It's in the world. <laughs> Ali Usta, yes, therefore the best in the world. It's called Ali Usta. Okay. Um, and it's it's on uh, Moda Jatis and Moda Street, so the main street in the neighborhood. Oh, uh, so then definitely went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yumi and uh, Joe. And Joe, Dad, we love you. Yeah. yeah, went there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, 
then we uh if you remember we walked by the water and we sat yeah. on a bench and i was hounded yeah. by this lady trying to who like threw flowers at me and then made me oh, yeah. the flowers wanted me to <laughs> the flowers that were thrown at me and then i got my entire family got cursed out that was no good. no and then <laughs> like uh, like the ch- we, left. we promise it's a nice place <laughs> <laughs> it's a great uh, gotta visit <laughs> no but Istanbul honestly is one of my favorite cities in the world if not my favorite city in the world it just is the most just like the most amazing place <laughs> it happens no but just the architecture the like the feeling the streets it's it's so beautiful and just like I remember so much walking like the last time I was in, in Istanbul, I stayed in Ortikoy and I just walked around and it was like the, the coastline is so beautiful. The, the palaces and just, you know, the contrast and the architecture, it, it really is like a magical place. Like I can't explain how. Save. No, it's also got just yeah. like talking about greatness of cities, which I personally think Istanbul is the best city in the world. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say New York. No, <laughs> which is, you know, so this is a lifelong New York. This, yeah, yes, this is, like, this is a huge deal. Because Sammy will literally introduce herself to foreigners. Like, I'll be like, I'm, you know, American or whatever. I'm from the US. And she'll be like, I'm from New York. Like, not, absolutely not taking any ownership for the rest of the country. I'm just very confused as to how you ended up on the West Coast. But that's a story for It's temporary. It's, a different podcast. it's temporary. Um, but no, I wanted to say that uh, Istanbul, since we're talking about the neighborhoods, has the most amazing modern transportation system, which is really amazing to get from neighborhood to neighborhood so even though it's a gigantor city with like crazy traffic it's actually really easy especially compared to somewhere like new york where the subway systems are 100 years old to get from place to place you use the same metro card for not metro card istanbul card for the subway the ferry the tram um anything you can imagine so it makes it super easy to get around and tour all the different neighborhoods you could possibly want to get to. Unfortunately, outside of, I mean, once you get further inland than, let me think, like even Umrania, which is not that far inland on the Asian side. And then I'm thinking on the European side, I mean, to where the old airport is, like Mm -hmm. if you get any further from the core of the city, which is the, I would say the Bosphorus and all the, the districts and neighborhoods right around the Bosphorus or the core. As soon as you go, get far enough west or east from that point, because Istanbul, if you haven't seen on a map, is a hor- kind of a horizontal city on the map. Like it's, you know, east and yeah. west are the most important directions. If you get too far east or west, then you do need to have a car. Well, they're building out the metro and the bus lines to be more robust in those outer neighborhoods. But I mean, with, uh, with COVID, for example, now, it's been a huge struggle containing it because so many people rely on public transportation to get everywhere. And there's really only like, you know, if you live in the outer neighborhoods, which is probably where you live, if you're, you know, doing an essential work kind of job, you're not getting a high wage and it's a super expensive city. So people who are living on the fringes and commuting to the core of the city are taking all the same bus basically up to a certain point Mm -hmm. uh, where they can transfer onto multiple lines. You're thinking, you know, that doesn't seem like a good public health thing to have that many people crammed in the same bus um, coming from the same direction. So that would be, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely highlighted. Obviously COVID is an extreme case of highlighting inequalities and inefficiencies in the system, but it really has shown that the public transportation isn't enough mm-hmm. despite all the, all the good gains that have been made in the last 20 or so years. Um, but that being said, if you do live in the core uh, neighborhoods around the Bosphorus, then you're in a very, you have a lot of options. And like Sammy said, you don't need a car really. You can get around pretty easily. Or max, you would take a cab if you really, had, if you were really in a bind and needed to get somewhere quickly. How are they getting Wait. around the show? Have, Walking. They, how are they bikes? getting around the show? I think Zainab drives everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he runs just to the from wherever from the jail to i mean layla literally (laughs) doesn't go anywhere she just has to take the elevator to get from work (laughs) to to going out to home to work to home (laughs) 
Truest, and same with Mazar, apparently, because they live next to each other. Yeah. Yes. They can hang out. They're like I said, COVID pod OG. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes to the to the docks though. You're right. Also, You're right. You need a car for the docks, I think. Yeah. yeah. He just like shoots a cabbie and takes takes the taxi there himself. He's just, he was very casual about killing people. <laughs> he definitely was. Also, question: How did how did Faisal find Mazar? Like, how did he pinpoint? Like, this is the dude that I need to be. Like, faithful to me forever. Very unclear. Yeah. He just sensed his homicidal tendencies, I guess. <laughs> and his propensity for extreme loyalty in the absence of his family. <laughs> Very Indeed. specific, but uh, you, can, you can hone those skills over time. Part of that years. crazy immortal charisma. Yes. <laughs> Now we're going to move on to our WTF Hakan section, more broadly WTF section, and also <laughs> crying counter. Does he cry? Yeah, three mm-hmm. times. Whoa. He's crying at the start of the episode. Okay. <clears throat> then oh. <laughs> he, cr- he cries when, when he finds out about Kemal, or Doctor, as he calls him. Mm-hmm. And then... He's crying. Like the last take in the episode is is him crying. So All right. Where were you exactly? <laughs> no, I just didn't really. It wasn't as like prolonged as his earlier crying. So I need to get used to this new method. I mean, episodes method. one and two. I'm not unclear if he had any lines other than just sobbing <laughs> uncontrollably. <laughs> He's sobbing uncontrollably, and Zainab is sobbing uncontrollably, which is no. Yeah, that's wild, but obviously earned. Yeah. Like, yeah. We yeah. don't flavor. Yeah. We're okay with it. Yeah. We'll, we'll allow it. Poor thing. So, so my um, biggest WTF of the episode was what the fuck Layla? Because Layla is fucking cuddling Faisal in yeah, the hallway as Hakon gets genius. led away. What was it's that? So bizarre. She like cuddles up under his arm. Ugh. Ugh. I think she's just really yeah. overwhelmed. I don't know if it justifies it, but still. It's Only kind of like uh, Danny at the end of Game of Thrones. They like made her like roughed up really her hair. Bad. And then all of a sudden she was in a really terrible place. And for Layla, she put on like pajama shorts and all of a sudden she's like completely <laughs> un- unable to do anything. Wow, what a parallel. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I could be. I mean, my what the fuck was definitely um, Zainab and Kemal going to see Delia before trying to talk to Hakan. So stupid. Yeah, yeah. that was really dumb. And unfortunate because then, well, worse off for everyone. Like, why did they need to go to talk to Delia immediately? Hakan is in jail. Like, I don't know. Also, no like, need. you guys are aware of... Like, you guys think Kemai and Zainab know about the other loyal ones, right? They could have, like, gotten a little band together. And, True. That's that's a know. very good point. Why are you going... Well, why was he trying to go all by... I guess he thought that he would be kicked out, right, of the Order for talking yeah. to um, yeah. a fallen one. But by the same token, she had only she had the information they needed to save the Protector, which is, like, the most loyal thing you can do. So, stupid. Very stupid. Agreed. Very sad. I'm very sad about Kimon, honestly. Yeah, Me too. He was so kindly and reassuring. Hakan really needs a father figure in his life. He no. does not have it figured out. No. Yeah. Hawk, Hakan just gets a big old WTF, though, for, you know, his willingness to show up, with, you know, you know, take the dagger and go and face Faisal, like, so stupid. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> This is a guy who's like, I'm the kid who grew up in the Grand Bazaar. Let me tell you something about the Grand Bazaar. They fucking know how to negotiate, okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he's just like, oh, okay, I'll take your first offer. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, I'll just give you everything you want. It's fine. (laughs) 
Agreed, 100%. Should I just kill myself? Is that cool? Like, is that make you happy? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. dumb. That was very dumb. Well, yes, yeah, Sophia. So, yeah, you're in for a ride in this next, this final episode of the season. Oh, my God. For our listeners. I'm going to watch it as soon as we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't. I'm Fourth still waiting for the malaria epidemic to come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there yeah, zero malaria updates this is <laughs> Also like how is Istanbul tropical enough to have malaria or is it just the the climate? It's like the that temperature. One, that one neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> one neighborhood that's secretly tropical somehow. It's yes. <laughs> like that it's, right. like that it's like that exclave of Russia Kaliningrad that's like randomly like in Europe in central Europe yeah. there's like a, an exclave of Istanbul yeah. in the Congo. We forgot to talk about that neighborhood. Yeah, yes, it's definitely next podcast. We promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to our episode today. We dedicate this episode to Kemal and to Bazaar's daughter's creepy dog toy. And we hope that you tune in next time for a season one, episode 10, and a resolution to the mystery of the bloody letter opener. So, you're ready. Thanks for listening.